Hey, Riley. Yeah, Andrew. Do you want to make a podcast ad? I do, but what would we mention? So I think that we could probably put together an ad for a show called The Podcast Minds. There, but for the grace of pod, go we. You know, it's a podcast where we both pitch each other podcast ideas instead of doing one ourselves. Yeah, it's a podcast pilot pitching project. Totally. It's We should mention that it's a comedy show, right? Where we throw out ideas like getting weirdly deep into the themes of Jumanji. Is that one a podcast? No, no. Uh, I, I, it's, a, it's a podcast idea that is actually a front for me to talk to you about hyperfixations I got. Oh, that's uh, most of the things that you hit me with. Uh, what about instead if we just talked about all the different ways you could do a rewatch of Lost? Oh, that sounds like you just did what I did, but <laughs> you said it in a positive voice. Okay, and along the way, what if we pitched ideas like, I don't know, Epic Rap Battles of Mystery, the Lin-Manuel Miranda podcast? Listen to the podcast minds. There before the grace of pod, go we on your podcatcher of choice on the Moonshot Network. Hi-ho! Hi-ho! Every Friday. Another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jack. You okay? <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to quietly clear my throat so I wouldn't interrupt you. <laughs> Let's try that again. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm your other host, Jane. <laughs> and we're your favorite. This, that's two episodes in a row, I think, that involve bits about one of us clearing our throat. Is uh, it? Oh no! I think we just. I think I think we just need to be better about this. We need some. We need a communal pool of Claritin or something. Uh huh. And we're your favorite podcast about the book of the books of <laughs> fuck me. And we're your favorite podcast about the books of Rick Riordan. Today we're continuing the sort of summer. How you doing today, Jane? The energy is good today. This feels like it's going to be a good one. No, uh-huh. no, no portents of doom right at the outset. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm feeling good today. I've been on a very fast train because it just like skipped several stops to uh, to get me where I wanted to go, which worked pretty well, actually. You know, that is good that you didn't like... What would you have done if you needed to stop at one of those places? I uh, gone and fucked myself, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I That's true. I, it's so funny that the train driver can just be like, sorry, taking you somewhere else. <laughs> Like that's not that's not normal. I don't think they did like they did a little announcement at the station where they were like, "Don't get on the train. It's not gonna stop at all these places." But some people were already on the train, and I know this because I saw them arguing with like the the conductor while the train was already moving. Oh no! So Too- don't know, don't know what happened to those guys. Uh, good luck. What happens when you get to the end of a train line? I guess you like get put into the engine. <laughs> You get out, you, you stay in the fucking waiting room for like 24 hours until you can get a train back. That's so sad. Uh, <laughs> How are you, Jacqueline? I, I'm okay. I have had a very nice little productive day. Uh, went yeah. to a deli nearby that we didn't know existed. Uh, just a nice little Korean deli. And of course, it's it's deli in the same way that like the milkshake places are creamy and the burger places are burgy. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, I, I, like I said, I live in, like, Toontown, basically, so, <laughs> and reporting live, it's, uh, actually reporting from a different live, uh, from a very normal time of day, Jane, I believe you're here with summaries? Uh, I am, in fact, here with sort of summaries. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Chapter 23, I Recycle Myself. Magnus does not ask questions about the squirrel, he just runs. Out in the corridor, he, Blitz, and Hearth run into TJ, Mallory, X, and Halfborn. The Hotel Valhalla also unleashes the Valkyries, plus Odin's wolves, all hunting the trespassers. Thankfully, Magnus's hallmates are all absolute real ones, and tell him that hallmates stick together. X and Mallory hold off the squirrel, Halfborn takes the wolves, and TJ charges a group of Valkyries alone, all to give Magnus's friends a chance to escape. He, Blitz, and Hearth dive into a garbage chute, which recycles them out of Valhalla and back into Midgard. Chapter 24. You had one job. 
The garbage chute drops them out in an empty Fenway Park, a baseball stadium hooked to the Red Sox. I'm sure any of our listeners who know baseball can make an appropriately pithy joke about that. The trio rush inside as Blitz reveals that, as a smart elf, sunlight is deadly to him, and direct exposure slowly petrifies him. We learn a little more about Magnus' friends. First, that Blitz is a fashionable little dude who is always thinking of the best ways to remain stylish, and secondly, that Blitz and Hearth work for neither Odin nor Loki. They were employed to keep Magnus safe, and awkwardly, alive, by someone they call the Capo. They also fill Magnus in on what happened after he died. His uncle Randolph got off the bridge alright, Sert ate a huge amount of shit and had to run back to Muspelheim, and Magnus saved all the other mortals on the bridge. The whole incident was blamed on freak meteorite strikes, since Zert glammed himself as a disguise, and the only recorded death was Magnus. Speaking of, they need to go and check out his corpse, because the sword might have bound itself to it. Hearth and Magnus go to do that, while Blitz slips back into Svartalfheim to get anti-sunlight supplies and the capo. Chapter 25, my funeral director dresses me funny. On the way to the funeral home, Magnus glams his hotel-issued sword so he doesn't get arrested for carrying that around in the street, and talks to Hearth about his home, Alfheim. Weirdly, it seems to be almost like an entire parallel world, complete with a population of elves who think that humans are silly myths from the Ten Hundreds. Magnus also learns that his dad, Frey, is the patron of Alfheim, which is probably why he can do Alf Seder, elf magic. Hearth is actually pretty jealous of this, as it's been a long time since any elves were able to do that kind of magic. They arrive at the funeral home, and Hearth watches the door while Magnus goes in to turn over his own corpse. The process is predictably disturbing and horrible, especially because it reminds Magnus that he had made a pact with his mum, that whoever died first would be cremated and the other would scatter their ashes in the wild. This memory, understandably, only makes the situation more horrible. And it was all for nothing. The sword isn't on Magnus's corpse. But right as Magnus turns to leave, he runs into a familiar face, who's shocked to see him alive, standing right next to his own corpse. His estranged cousin, Annabeth Chase. Chapter 26 Hey, I know you're dead, but call me maybe? Strangely, Annabeth has gotten into the funeral home with no problem, and mentions that nobody was watching the door. But there's no time to dwell on that, she corners Magnus and demands some god's damn answers. Unfortunately, Magnus can't articulate it all very well. He manages to get out some stuff about being in danger, some kind of destiny, it being to do with his mysterious estranged father. And weirdly, Annabeth gets a look in her eye like she knows exactly what Magnus is talking about. She tells him that she's sorry she didn't know sooner, and that she can take him somewhere where she knows he'll be safe. Unfortunately, that idea makes Magnus's hackles raise since he's had to stay on the move for two years, and he convinces Annabeth that she needs to let him do this. She reluctantly agrees, saying she knows that sometimes she has to stand back and let people handle their own quests. But she does make Magnus promise to call her using the number on the missing persons poster and tell her everything when he's done. He agrees right as Hearth rushes in, fresh off of not guarding the door with a black eye. Magnus says goodbye to Annabeth and then runs off with Hearth. They meet up with Blitz, who now has a mysterious bowling bag, and Hearth explains that another girl jumped on him from a second story window and clobbered him, which is why Annabeth was able to wander past him so easily. At that moment, they see the girl who attacked him right across the street from him, Samira Alabas, ex-Valkyrie and presumably fellow seeker of the Sword of Summer. Chapter 27. Let's play frisbee with bladed weapons. The trio follow Sam from a distance as she heads to the river to look for the sword. Magnus knows it's not there, however. He is bonded to the sword, and is slowly getting a sense for how to find it. He can't pin down where it is, but for now he at least knows where it isn't. While the trio are arguing about this, Sam notices them following her and is able to ambush them. A scuffle ensues, but eventually Magnus is able to get Sam to back off. She explains she's looking for the sword to try and prove that she's still loyal to Odin, and to get back into the Valkyries, and Magnus vouches for her. They're all at a dead end in their search for the sword anyway, so Blitz decides that only one option remains for them. It's time to consult the Capo. Chapter 28. Talk to the face, because that's pretty much all he's got. The group head down to a canal, and Blitz extracts from his bowling bag a shrunken human head. He dips it into the water and it slowly rehydrates, coming to life, and introducing itself as Mimir, former Aesir general and occasional advisor to Odin, who was decapitated by the Vanir, and Magnus's dad specifically, and then dipped into the waters of the World Tree to become one of the most knowledgeable entities in the Nine Realms. He also, for some reason, talks like an Italian-American gangster, and mentions running illegal casinos and protection rackets across the realms. He was the one who hired Blitz and Hearth to protect Magnus, and he's been trying to stave off Ragnarok since it's going to be extremely bad for business when that happens. 
Magnus starts to put together what the plot of the book is going to be at this point. Cert wants the Sword of Summer because it's sharp enough to undo the unbreakable dwarven chains that bind the Fenris wolf, and in so doing, he can kick off Ragnarok. The island where Fenris is being held will be accessible for one night seven days from now, and Mimir wants the kids to get the sword and take it to the island on that day. While it risks Cert getting his hands on it, Mimir figures Cert might find another way to break the chains, and the best shot to stop him is if Magnus just kills him with the sword. Mimir offers Sam and Magnus the location of the sword, but only if they bind themselves to his service, and Blitz and Hearth both indicate that that would be an extremely bad idea. Instead, they're going to have to do this the hard way. So, Jacqueline, what do you think of these chapters? Magnus Chase still good. This book's good. Yeah, I is this like a record for... Probably not, but it feels like just like... We, this is what, our sixth... This is like our fifth episode on this book, I think. Yeah, I don't think we've been like particularly down on any set of chapters so far. Yeah, I... It's kind of wild. I It feels like we're just in a oasis. Like, when the drop happens, if it does happen... <laughs> It's going to be catastrophic. Yeah, we're going to have to, like, end the podcast right there. (laughs) But yeah, I I liked it a lot. I think this is, you know, we're getting into the actual thrust of the story, learning a bit more about our main characters. Uh, We're sort of setting up... Setting up some various things. I... I have a lot to talk about here. We've done the classic ride and introduced the little safe haven place and then immediately leave it. Uh, very much so yes i i want to should we start should we just start from the start i don't let's know let's go let's go from okay. the start so the squirrel we never see the squirrel which is a bit disappointing to me as I, this is going to show up as like a big boss fight later yeah pro- they'll have to like get back into valhalla and climb mm. up the tree and then they'll fight the fucking what's it called the ratatosk yeah um and that uh, that's when they'll need to fight the squirrel i like obviously there is a degree to which just like this is peak 20 like 2010 like lol squirrel cheese xd humor <laughs> we, we're always talking about this uh but i think it works decently well i think i think it part of why it works is that magnus doesn't do the thing where he stands around and is like what a squirrel is chasing you that's kind of wacky he's he's figured out that everything is so fucked that if someone is yelling at him about like a dangerous squirrel, he should just like run. Yeah, yeah, that that and like all of his hallmates just like being all also understanding the gravity of it immediately and not and also not doing the same thing. Like none of them are like, "What are you talking about, a squirrel?" Uh, I, yeah, I also it's funny because uh, they all take it like completely seriously. Yes, that's exactly it. He he does the bit well here, uh, which honestly I was not expecting. <laughs> I, I don't know if this like disproves my uh, I don't know if this disproves my theory about how they'll be deployed later, but I, I wasn't expecting all of his hallmates to just immediately cover for him. Yeah, same. I it's a shame because I did quite like your idea that we're like setting up the squad that's going to be sent out to hunt Magnus. But it's also a very sweet moment when they just like all go to bat for him. Yeah, you can tell that like because they're all in this place where they kind of have to form connections, right? Mm-hmm. Like to just like you know stay sane they've they've bonded with magnus in a real way even though it's pretty been like a couple of days like they've bonded in battle and they've bonded through food and they've bonded you know just hanging out they got some of that good trauma bonding <laughs> exactly um and i honestly i don't think this is the end of my theory either i think that all of them getting punished and sent out to, and being made to send out for to look for him could be a root of possibility too that could that could happen, although I would question the wisdom of sending the people who just betrayed you to save this guy out to like retrieve him. <laughs> They'd probably enough. just betray you again. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I, Gunilla will be like holding the whip or something on that one. Maybe. I didn't trust Rick Riordan here. He said there's a bit where he talks about like Oh, Hearth is signing, and the sign for he does the sign for squirrel, uh, and it actually looks like gnashing mandibles, which is horrifying. And I looked it up. I honestly, I do see it. Kind of does look like gnashing mandibles. Huh? A squirrel is that it's, deadly? I. It must be. You know. Maybe if you can't I, hear him coming. I suppose so. Um, I think that squirrels like <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that one took you a second. <laughs> Good lead thought, or no, it's fine. Yeah, the we could talk a little bit about this actually. Hearth, 
the very there's a lot in here about like hearth and like his use of asl or as we learn uh alf sign language uh-huh which if if true is a little bit funny that he's taught magnus extensively like this sign language that is pretty much useless anywhere else on earth i my theory is that it's literally the exact same thing as american sign language that would actually be very um, funny because first of all the american sign language uh sign for squirrel it does just it does, like i said looks like mashing mandible gnashing mandibles uh second of all alfheim in general seems to be sort of just a parallel earth very directly um in a way that i could see it literally just being the same thing although I do kind of question the idea of like there is one Alf sign language. He's like that's a whole fucking world, right? Oh, that's yeah, that is kind of weird. Like, are there not different communities of elves? I don't know. Maybe it's maybe just not. more standardized there. Maybe they got their shit together on sign language. I guess so. I do. I do think it's very funny that this is like because what what we hear about like Alfheim is that it is basically like a parallel world where like. If Magnus, like, shows up there and is, like, running around, like, he is the plot of an urban fantasy book in their context. And I just, I find it very funny that, like, this is the most, like, materially concrete alternate world we've gotten. Uh, And it's also in the series that has, like, also by far, like, the most grounding in urban fantasy we've had in a while. Yeah, because, like, we got how it's, like, stuck in the past, basically. Like... Or, like, they think that, like, human beings are uh, just, like, still knights and princesses and stuff, uh, you know, back when that was real life. Yeah, God, back when there was, like, royalty and princesses and stuff. Glad we moved on from that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I- I'm sure nobody is being knighted in today's day and age. <laughs> uh, and, like, the idea of just like they they have this complete remove from what's actually going on it, it's very funny like just to picture this entire different we're also it seems to be the same thing magic doesn't really exist there either yeah yeah it's just like, like a, a couple of like you know weirdos on the fringe who are excuse me who are engaged with magic stuff so yeah it is basically just earth it's earth but if everyone is not, was an elf uh-huh <laughs> just slightly more pointy kind- ears and also they watch, what is it, cute pixie videos instead of cute cat videos? They're watching those, like, uh, those TikToks about those people who think that they're fairies or whatever. They're watching, like, NPC TikToks. <laughs> uh, you know those? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I think elves would like those. Non-pixie characters. <laughs> um, Rick also back with some, like, amazingly non-sharp like some amazingly dull commentary i guess (laughs) about how the elves are on their phones all the time and magnus is like wow sounds just like us in midgard yeah yeah he's been banging this fucking drum since lightning thief yeah literally yeah because the thing there was like they couldn't see the monsters because they were on their phones they're on their laptops they were on their phone and they didn't see the nemean lion outside the train (laughs) Funnily enough, I think it was mostly laptops back then because of the time thing. Oh, that's true. Uh, but now, now you know, the elves watch their 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 elf pads. <laughs> I guess he'll probably just be banging this drum forever. Probably. He's only going to get more and more on it as, like, the 2010s continue, surely. Probably, yeah. Um, And in general, Hearth is, like, I feel like he's one of the more developed characters we're getting here. Mm-hmm. But also his development is kind of confusing to me. Like, we're we're learning that he is okay. We we learn at first that he is very good at like runic magic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we learn that nobody in Alfheim really does runic magic anymore. Nobody like does magic, uh, uh, and so he has like risked a lot and sacrificed a lot to learn how to do that magic. Hmm. And then the next chapter, we learn that he doesn't really like to do magic, and he prefers to do archery. Yeah, that is confusing. I think I think the thing about like the runes and also like people not being able to do magic mostly in Alfheim, I think that's like there there is like a difference between like him doing stuff with runestones and Magnus's like uh, elf magic. 
So like that's Hearth can't do the thing where he like heals people or sends out a big energy pulse. And I think that's right. that's the thing that the elves aren't able to do anymore. Yeah, I understand that. But he says that he like has sacrificed a lot to learn how to like he's like the foremost magician in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. right? So he, and he says like he's sacrificed a lot, but then he says that he also doesn't like to do it. So I don't No, that bit is yeah, I don't understand why yeah. Why 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 do you sacrifice everything to do that if you want to be an archer, bud? I it's kind of like Rick has like seven different ideas of what an elf could be at once. Uh, and he's just uh, sort of mashing them all together into this one character. I do think it'd be funny if he like dedicated his life to um, like becoming a magician. And then he comes to Earth and he watches like a Lord of the Rings movie. And he's like, oh, fuck, I want to be like Legolas. Fuck magic. <laughs> Honestly, I in Alfheim, there are no sunsets. So he, see, he, he gets to the mortal world, sees his first sunset, ducks into the nearest dark place, which is a movie theater. <laughs> What's playing on the screen? Lord of the Rings, episode one, world premiere. It's, 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 it changes his life. God, I do love the detail about, like, because there are no sunsets in Alfheim, him seeing a sunset for the first time was, like, terrifying to him. Like, that's that's just such a, like, a neat little detail that sells the idea that this guy is kind of basically an alien. Definitely, yeah. And Magnus notices more and more about how, like, his his eyes, like, glitter weirdly. Like, he doesn't really seem like a human being once you look at, like, past him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, once you look real closely. Um... We also, interestingly enough, I, you were talking last episode about how it did like it didn't make a lot of sense to you that he could be doing all this lip reading while all the action was going on. Yeah, we go into that here, don't we? Yeah, there is a little bit of that, and especially like later on when like everyone's moving around and Sam's attacking them. Yeah, like we learn he can't really lip read on the move that way, and like he has a bit more difficulty with it, and so I. I wonder if Rick just didn't think about it until, like, writing the next few chapters. As we know, famously, he doesn't have a backspace key, so that's very possible. Uh Uh-huh. Now, speaking of characters uh, who, you know, we got a bit more respect for, or I don't know, I didn't disrespect Hearth. Speaking of characters who we got a bit more of an understanding for, you you want to make a dear apology in this episode, right? Uh, I I wanted to apologize for the slander we've directed at Thomas Jefferson Jr., uh actually pretty cool character entirely because uh when uh, magnus hearth and blitz are on their way out of the hotel uh he says go kill some rebs for me sorry valkyries and you know i just i like that he's, he's still got the bloodlust in him for confederates i think that is awesome uh yeah he he's a big ally toward magnus he says you know go, go kill some rebs or monsters or whatever he doesn't give a fuck kill anything <laughs> magnus he'll support you uh and also, he sleeps apparently just in his battle jacket all the time. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess. God, it's kind of fucked up to imagine that, like, because that's a habit you would develop when you were, like, in an army that's on the march. And he's been in the hotel for, like, a couple of hundred years. And because it's just, like, fucking constant warfare, he's never broken that habit. Yeah, I mean, he probably died in the in the Civil War, right? Yeah. yeah. So that would make a lot of sense. Wow. It'd be um, really funny if he died like the day after the Civil War ended. <laughs> he was fucking like, run over hold- by a carriage. He was holding his weapon to go return it, right? <laughs> he was actually, he, it was a really good day for him. He was a uh, guest of honor at President Abraham Lincoln's visit to the theater. And he was sitting like <laughs> perpendicular. So there was like a line between John Wil- Wilkes Booth, Abraham Lincoln, and TJ. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying the bullet... How many people did that bullet take down? Was 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 John Wilkes Booth an agent of the Giants? <laughs> Don't fucking give Rick any ideas. Well, we learned that the fucking like, the Great Chicago Fire was caused by the Giants. Oh, we do. Like Cert Cert did that. No 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 economic conditions or anything like that. Nothing going on there. It was mm. just Cert. Yep pointing at myself agreeing as if i had heard of the great chicago fire before i read these chapters the great chicago fire i went on a nice little riverboat tour that explained the entire thing oh yeah when you went to see the big bean yeah i did go to see the bean uh i I forgot i did that for a second (laughs) so yeah the the great chicago fire uh killed like 300 people uh it it 
like destroyed basically all of like all not all of it but like half of Chicago. Oh my god. Um it the like legend is that it happened because a like a little old lady like left her lantern in the barn and her cow kicked it over and that just caused the entire fire because the entire city was made of like fucking wood. Uh-huh. And nowadays it's all made of like bricks. So yeah, I, many, many such cases, many such cases of cities made mostly of, like, wood, and especially, like, of the houses are held together with, like, tar and all have thatched roofs. Uh, if one fucking, I don't know, just pick a random example, Baker uh, doesn't uh, turn off their oven properly at the end of the day, maybe the entire city burns to the fucking ground. Is this, a, do you have experience with this as well? Uh, this is the Great Fire of London. <laughs> oh, right, okay, okay. <laughs> every single one of these stories has some fucking like quirky character <laughs> like there's mrs o'leary's cow there's the sleepy baker like what is it just so that you can tell kids that this horrible accident happened but also have a cute little cartoon of them i think it must be because i have no idea if the baker thing is real that's just what they told me in primary school i surely it's maybe i we have to start blaming prob like great problems like this on more individual people <laughs> like we had, so we had mrs we had Mrs. O'Leary, in her, but we now we have to understand that it was Cert. Does this mean that the cow kicked Cert? <laughs> I think that Cert went into the barn and, and tipped the lantern over, and that was all he did. I think he got kicked into a bale of hay, and the bale of hay caught fire. <laughs> <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> I mean, he got fucked up by Magnus on his first day out. He is kind of a loser. God, yeah. What, what, this guy isn't so impressive. <laughs> Frey must be a real chump if he's faded to lose to this guy. <laughs> yeah, so TJ's TJ's cool. Uh, I something that keeps recurring through these chapters, and it's, it's happened before, it's still happening. Magnus is like serious wolf trauma. Yeah, it it I don't know it. I like the detail that he just like absolutely shits himself whenever there is a wolf around. I like that. I don't know. We're, we're trusted to like have a character not be cool one hundred percent of the time. You know, it's a, it's kind of a basic thing but just he absolutely loses it and loses the ability to like fight when that's going on i mean he's allowed to have emotions in a real way right yeah but that that isn't percy's like a a great character he's not always the most emotional character he had water trauma for like five minutes in mark of athena and that was it yes and like you know, Jason was very stoic in a way. Yeah. You know, he had his he had his internal struggles. He does he had his inner turmoil, but that wasn't quite the same as being like emotional. Mm-hmm. Magnus like gets genuinely like he freezes up. He has a hard time breathing when things that he's scared of are around. He meets Annabeth and he almost like bursts and he like sobs almost. Yeah, I I like that a lot. You know, he's I just think Magnus is a great character. He's been he's going through a lot right now. <laughs> He's also dead. He's also dead. The the scene of him having to like t- like turn over his own corpse looking for that sword is genuinely horrible. Yeah, like, yeah, tell us about it. I love the the way that like it is described as like um well, you know how it's uncomfortable to hear like your own voice on a recording like if you're editing a podcast or something. Thanks for the shout out, Rick. Um <laughs> and that, that idea is kind of expanded upon to be like, well, that's what it's like to look down at your own fucking body. <laughs> Except, you know, it's now wearing a cheap suit and all the, like, horrible bruises that killed him are, like, covered in, like, uh, thick makeup. And I really like, uh... The, the, the whole thing about Magnus's funeral is that, like, nobody cared. Mm-hmm. Like, his obituary is two lines, which is just, like, he is survived by X, died on a bridge... Uh, nobody seems to have, like, turned up. Is Nobody's waiting outside the funeral home. Uh, and, like, the, the, one of the last things we see about his body is that he, like, has to, like, lift it to look under it for the sword, and he, like, just sees the back of the coffin, and it's, like, 50% polyester, 50% wood, product of Taiwan. It really places the focus on, like, the cheapness of everything around it and how, like, disposable his life must have been. Rick Riordan has some ideas going on in this book. Mm-hmm. Every single bit that he notices, like, he, he has a little smile on his face that would normally be there. Uh, his hands are covering up the uh, the place where the cement burned through his gut. Uh-huh. Uh, like, 
it's it's great the part that really got me was him just absolutely breaking down over like having to like the fact that he broke his like one of his last promises he could up, uphold with his mom mm-hmm. so his mom and him had this death pact to like both be cremated basically and scattered over yeah. the you know nature and in a way magnus's mom kind of got to do like she was burned to death right it's like it's like the horrible funhouse mirror version of what she wanted yes magnus grief-stricken because that final promise he could not keep and he's seeing that like manifest Mm -hmm. like he is seeing his own body just like embalmed in that way it's so heartbreaking it fucking sucks and you know i i appreciate the magnus copes for this by like rearranging his corpse's hand so it looks like he's giving the finger yes Mag- magnus loves to flip people off canonically this is a consistent character detail now god yes that's awesome then annabeth shows up annabeth does show up she shows she's like big time cameo mode apparently even like her dad didn't want to come to the funeral <laughs> <laughs> pretty fucked up but i mean he didn't she's know the awesome. kid. yeah this is how you do a fucking cameo <laughs> It, there's a tearful reunion they haven't seen each other in years but like they remember each other you know they remember they loved each other and all that mm-hmm. um i think the biggest thing that i really like is that her character arc has carried over yeah it's it's, it's really nice that it kind of gestures at like all the stuff that she went through in heroes of olympus she specifically shouts out like i've recently learned that i have to sometimes let people like like i have to step back and let people do their own thing and that's great to hear that just like she is a she could have just been like base level annabeth here you know yeah it could have just been hello here's the obligatory cameo from the more popular series on the other hand that kind of makes it like well she doesn't have to be in this book you know she could pop in for like one more chapter later on mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and that's you know that's fine um it's not like a fucking tv series where they're paying an actor more it's not really how it works <laughs> but you know you know what i mean yeah 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 uh, she's not gonna like hog the spotlight of the of the of the book. But also, I um, I really it it really dangles the possibility of this being a proper crossover in front of you. Like I I love the the dawning realization you can see in Annabeth as she like almost gets there but assumes the wrong thing and is like, oh, Magnus is a Greek demigod. And I like yeah. as I was reading this, like I could see in my mind's eye a million fucking riot and verse fanfics that take this as like the divergence point for canon there, there have to be so many magnus says yes to this offering goes to camp half blood with annabeth i think that'd be interesting because like i mean it would be nonsense kind of it'd be a little uh, bit nonsense like, it would basically be pure like let's meet all our favorite characters and see what magnus has to say to them yeah i also think it would probably destroy the world because like uh-huh. it, se- it seemed to like fuck up camp half blood when jason went there and he was, like, from a different group from the same pantheon. I feel like if Annabeth just, like, wandered in with Magnus, the Earth would fucking open and swallow him up. I mean, um, Annabeth, uh, Percy, Carter, and Sadie uh, <laughs> are all, like, keeping the great world's greatest pact to never let mythologies interact again. Annabeth is about to accidentally, like, screw <laughs> the whole thing up. <laughs> she doesn't even fucking know. God, that'd be so good. I, I it would be. realistically, what would happen is that like Annabeth would get him to the borderline, and Chiron would just be like sat up there in his wheelchair, like pointing like back out to the world and being like, "Yeah, <laughs> sitting there and like, no, no, absolutely not, out, <laughs> go away." God, I I really love that mental image. <laughs> I. This is insane. I don't know why. Every single time I picture Chiron, I picture like an Andalite from Animorphs. What the fuck is an Andalite? You don't know Andalites? No, I don't read Animorphs. Oh, shit. Okay. I just picture Pierce Brosnan. I I should be... But like, if I'm picturing him like in full like horse mode, mm-hmm. I'm always picturing an Andalite. Here, I'll send you a picture of what it looks like. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> He, this is just what he is to me. He's this weird ripped blue man. <laughs> a weird ripped no blue mouth. man just pissing everywhere. Playing uh-huh. Pinochle with a guy who's 200 years sober. God, I miss him. I miss Mr. D so much. It's been so long. Mimir could never. <laughs> if we talk about Mimir, I were jumping around. Mimir is fucking weird. 
He's incredibly weird. I fucking, I, the second they mentioned Akapo, I knew it was him. Why? Because, okay, this is, this is, the, the, the smart thing to say would be, I know that Capo is, like, head in Italian, it's used as head of, like, uh, a mob operation, but also, you know, the double meaning would be that it's Mimir. Uh, but actually, the reason was much stupider, and it's because I fucking know, I feel it in my bones, that at some point there is going to be like uh, a joke where Magnus for some reason has to put a cap on the capo uh, and it'll be really embarrassing and the best way to maximize that embarrassment is if it's like just a head and that's the only thing he's wearing. Okay. Yeah, wait, but how did you specifically know it was Mimir? Because he's the only fucking character in Norse mythology who's just a head. I guess that's fair. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think that's an, I, I'm, that's awesome that you that you knew that so fast. <laughs> He's so straight. Like, okay, you described him earlier as talking like an Italian, like, mafioso. Uh That's not true. He doesn't talk like that. He talks like an Irish cop. (laughs) Like, he he calls... He's like, hey, boyo. Like, he he calls him boyo, which is, I think, like, very specifically, like, an Irish-American Boston type of thing. Oh, I guess it might be, yeah. But he also is an Italian, like, he's a, he's the fucking uh, godfather, basically. He is. He is a shrunken little godfather head. He even says that the Venier and AC are united against the triads. (laughs) (laughs) He's so fucking funny. Um, This guy, I don't, I actually don't know how much I have to say about this guy. Like, how much of an impact does he make on you? I uh, my my main thing reading this was I think it'd be really funny if there's a Trace Navarre book where like he is tracking down the head of like the organized crime operation. He just finds like a, a severed head in an office and assumes that they got murdered before he got there and it was actually Mimir. I think that'd be good. Uh that would be fascinate a fascinating like call forward. <laughs> I also uh I I'm I'm gonna make a long shot bet right now. Uh, I think that Mimir is evil. Ooh, okay, go ahead. Because uh, his whole plan, right, is to be like, okay, the only way that Surt can free the Fenris wolf is with the Sword of Summer. So what I want you guys to do is to find the sword and then take it to Surt at the Fenris wolf on the day that he can get to it. Why? Uh, because he'll totally think of some other way to do it that I haven't explained to you, uh, and you need to kill him before he does that. And, it, you know... And this seems like the kind of thing you would say if you were trying to, like, maneuver the sword into position for Surt to get his hands on it. Oh, I think you, I think you could be right, yeah. I think it'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, I, hmm. Hmm. Okay, so my thinking is that you can track a bunch of different, like, trends of what kind of character this is from, like, Rick Riordan's work. Mm. Like, he is, he's a gambler, and we... Like, don't have a great history with gambling in Rick Riordan's uh, just like oeuvre, right? Like, uh, we get we get the god of the moon. Yeah, yeah. A real piece of shit in the Kane Chronicles. Um, we get the like the hotel and casino. That's really evil. So I think generally gambling equals negative for Rick Riordan. Mm-hmm. Which is on, a shame. It means we're never going to get the Percy Jackson gambling movie. Fuck. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, uh, oh, God. I It's one of my favorite things to think about any time it comes up. <laughs> On the other hand, he's a weird, fucked up little guy, which means that he must be the greatest person. Like, he's Bez, right? He's yeah. Bez. He's he's Mr. D. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's a little bit Coach Hedge. He's a little bit of a this Coach is, Hedge, yeah. So, and that means that he must be kind of a saint. So it's kind of difficult to tell. Yeah, he could, he could go either way. This is, this is a fascinating and complex character that has been sketched for us here, is what I think we can conclude. I guess so. Huh. I also, what we learn from Mimir here is, like, completely insane. Because what he lays out is that, like, everyone was watching Magnus to see if he would, like, he would turn 16, he'd come of age, and then would he, like, get the sword and to potentially trigger the series of events that would lead to Ragnarok. Which means that the fucking Norse gods, right, sat there for, like, several years and sleepwalked into the thing that the Olympians spent five books fighting tooth and nail to avoid. Uh-huh. Like, nobody could be bothered to stop the fucking Kronos-level thing from happening, so it, like, st- kicks off at the start of the book. Who gives a shit, you know what I mean? These guys are complete jackasses. It's awesome. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> also, I, I there is one thing I like about the this is that Cert doesn't have the sword yet, so that there it's not mm-hmm. like this. Is, that means that's going to be like a, a race against time for both of them, which is kind of unique. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're go- going back to like how does this stand out as an adventure from other things? I feel like. Well, that's, hey. Uh-huh. Hey, hey, I mean, there, there is, there is another book where there's like a mythological object that both sides are trying to get before the other. What's that one? Sea of Monsters. Mm. Sea of Monsters four, baby, let's go. <laughs> sea of Monsters four, all right. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, he did, he did get on a boat earlier, and there are civil there, war types. There has to be, there has to be one of these where they they are on a boat for most of it, and that will that will be the real Sea of Monsters four. God, I, wait. I think there's a fucking book called like the Boat of Thor or some shit in this trilogy. Oh, it's the Ship of the Dead. Yeah. Oh shit, he's gonna be. It's gonna be Sea of Monster Six. It's gonna be. It's gonna be building up to it. <laughs> Everyone seems to not actually care about like they're training the you know the fucking Enheryar. They don't really want them to win. They just seem to want the cycle to happen. Yeah. It, it... I guess it's like maybe a symptom of like there's a whole ass nine realms for everything to be like happening across. It seems like the like all of the like powers that be in like the Norse mythology are like completely asleep at the wheel. Like I know that a lot of the gods have fucked off, but like even even like Mimir, who like is a god and is still around and has some influence, just like sat back and let this happen. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't. It's interesting. Also, Unless uh-huh. he's evil and he was getting Hearth and Blitz to make sure that Magnus stayed alive long enough to get the sword for his master. So. Fucking maybe. We'll have to see. He he's that's <laughs> he's you know, he's angry with the with both the Aesir and Vanier for, you know, cutting his head off and like giving up in the first place. Um and then giving him a little dunk. Uh-huh. I sorry, I'm imagining at that like he's being dunked into a glass of milk. <laughs> Like a big Oreo. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually... I think the the other thing that's... The, they keep... I always just think of the wolf as, like, Fenrir, right? They they, mm. they call... Ex, almost exclusively call him Fenris Wolf. Mm-hmm. Which is... Because, yeah, I, I have... You, you call him Fenrir. I, I have him in my head as the Fenris Wolf. Okay, that's interesting. As opposed to just Fenris Wolf. I, I guess these are just different. It's all the same thing. But... I guess so. Fenris Wolf, just calling him like, oh yeah, he wants to wake up Fenris Wolf. It makes him sound like fucking Bigby Wolf's cousin. <laughs> God. We should talk about Blitz. We haven't. We've pretty much slid it right over Blitz. We have. This is this is a fashionable little man. This is like this is like Bez's evil twin. Oh, you're right. Or instead of just running around in those fucking speedos all the time, he's actually like he's got a. He's got a little bit of drip. I, and by drip I mean a ski mask. Uh-huh. Well, no, this is interesting. He's like a very fashionable guy. He even like, he's kind of an asshole about it. Like, he. Oh he, yeah. He like, mind you, she is trying to kill them at the time, but he insults like Samira's outfit, for instance. He also he tells Magnus that like like bright colors would look terrible on him. There's like patterns, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, I guess it's I don't know, uh, but. He has this interesting attitude where he's like, "Ugh, can't believe I had to pretend to be homeless for two years, right?" Um, which mm-hmm. there's a there's a little bit there of like you know the disdain uh, of like he just really wants to be the freshest, fanciest guy at all times, <laughs> uh, which I think makes it makes it seem a little bit less shitty than it would if he if that wasn't like a core aspect of his personality, I guess. Yeah, that, it seems it seems a bit less like a shitty thing that Rick Riordan is saying in that context, and more like this character is a bit of an asshole. Yeah. Um. He also, I I'm curious what you think. Do you feel like maybe his, th- there's a lot of focus here on like because dwarves are like hurt by sunlight, they start to petrify, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of focus on like how like throughout the day as the, as time goes on, like he needs to like make sure that he's exposed to as little sunlight as possible. He needs to make sure he takes preventative. Do you feel like this is sort of going for like a, I don't know, disability thing with like his, like, you know, he talks about like, oh, I, yeah, it's hard to move for a little bit. My, my freezing up legs. I, I mean, I guess I think that would make sense. I think that's, I mean, that's obviously what's going on with Hearth. 
mm-hmm. and he, we we know that um you know uh, Rick likes to like take like neurodivergences or disabilities and stuff and like get some kind of mythological thing to theme them around. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I think that would definitely track. You know, it, I so far I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Uh, it it just, it just really stood out to me. Yeah, yeah. The way that Rick chooses to translate uh, Hearth's ASL is very, like, interesting to me and how he is not particularly consistent. Mm. Because I think at first we get, like, Magnus is just like, all right, here are the signs that he is doing, right? Like, go, Mm. here, stop. Uh, And then a bit after that, he talks about how, like, you know, by this point I've gotten pretty good. I understand, like, well, I can piece together, like, you know, here are the sentences they sang. And it's sort of just being conveyed, like, that way. Like, here's the full sentence, and it's what what he's, you know, signing. Yeah. And then here it kind of jumps back to, like, how I feel like a lot of people write, like, I don't know, like, characters who uh, don't primarily speak English speaking it or, uh, like, yeah things like that where he uh it's written like uh hearth signed like magic hard like we we must do this like or like like magnus do that like he's it's very like flipped and uh like halfway in between uh like full sentences and just like say like like one-to-one uh like saying what the uh like signs are he's he's doing or anything like that yeah i think that the, the way that's come about is maybe like you know, Rick, a lot of the time when, when it kind of slips into that, uh, the idea is that, like, Hearth is trying to, like, communicate, like, some, like, esoteric magical concept that doesn't come across very well in, like, conventional sign language. And so, yeah, it would make more sense to, like, make it a bit more clipped and move to, like, just doing the signs, but also, like, you want the reader to be able to, like, follow what's happening, so maybe that, like, gets compromised a little bit. So you kind of end up in this weird halfway place. That that makes sense. I it it feels off to me in a way that I don't really like. But I I mm-hmm. I, I think it what you're saying does make sense. You know, Magnus has his own sense of what's fashionable. He he likes the he likes to dress up as Kurt Cobain. He keeps doing this. He, he's he also co- likes it. He likes his Wiggles T-shirt. His Wiggles T-shirt. His his belt. His his like. His like uh, wallet chain he doesn't like. Uh, he thinks that's unfashionable. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's Cobain bounding basically. Uh, <laughs> and we learn. Okay, wait, wait, wait. We need to talk about this. So we heard about uh, Gigangugop earlier. Uh, or sorry, Gigangugop. Uh, which you know is the land uh, of kind of nothingness, right? It's sort of like the that uh, that. Mm. Uh, Sam yeah, had yeah. to pull him through to get him to Valhalla. Um, it's it's you know sort of the in between between uh, the, the fire and ice, and I. It's also said, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, it's also said here that it is the mist. Yeah, between fire and ice, there is mist, according to Hearth. So what the fuck which, does this mean? <laughs> yeah, I guess it, the the duop pervades everything. I guess. I, I guess every every time this happens, it becomes even more obviously bullshit when Hecate claims that she invented the mist. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> it's it feels like like looking at fucking Time Cube, trying to figure out the mist and cosmology here. Like there are so many different <laughs> axes upon which these premises lie. Like okay, we have. Okay, so it's it's the upper layer of the dua, and also okay, so it's the top layer of something. It's also uh, horizontally the middle of the of Niflheim and fucking <laughs> uh, the fire one. Muspelheim. Um, Muspelheim. Uh, so it lies in between that, and also in a three D sense, it sort of exists around uh, like the vision of mortals to stop them from seeing things it's so what you're saying is that with these three uh sets of spatial coordinates we can find the location of uh, the center of the mist i think we find out who's actually behind this (laughs) i think we're gonna get there and find a little old man with his little old typewriter uh (laughs) and we're gonna find out that rick riordan it has been 
has 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 created this problem. He is like a fucking Stephen King inside of his own work. He's like, uh, <laughs> the, we need to kill him or save his life. I don't know whichever one, whichever one, whichever one the story calls for. He's he's call, he's calling to us to get out of the mist. And I I mean I'm okay with this because I think I we were quite negative on the idea of Hecate like inventing the mist, and so like. The idea that she was just bullshitting and this is just like something that runs through every mythology. Uh, I quite like that, actually. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could just say like, this is Rick like over and over again being like, sorry, my kid fucked up. That's not right. That's not canon. <laughs> was, wait, was that in Son of Magic or was that in um, House of Hades? I can't remember. Oh, I swear to God it was in Son of Magic at first, but I could be wrong. Oh, no, maybe it was in... Oh, it might have been House of Hades, actually. Wow. No, the insane Hecate ship from Son of Magic was her saying that she believes the Christian god is real or something. Right, right. okay. That's, well, that's the one where you learn where... There's some ridiculous reveal in Son of Magic too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Uh, Magnus... Ma- I might be wrong also. Hecate might be Christian, uh, but Magnus is an atheist. Mag- Magnus is absolutely adamant that he's an atheist uh and as a result is very annoyed that he's being like buried in a chapel and also has gotten involved with a bunch of gods uh-huh oh. so i think it's i i i like this purely because it's funny and it's all right and it also reminds me of, like one of my favorite characters from like uh, the discworld books yeah which is uh like the world's only atheist who lives in this like kind of like fantasy athens uh and he like Every day is like loudly denouncing the gods and saying that they're not real, and as a result, he has to like run from building to building to avoid like lightning strikes that are constantly being thrown at him by the gods. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I think I think Magnus should start doing this. He should just like stick his fingers in his ears and go la 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 whenever he's dealing with anything supernatural. <laughs> oh, he almost is, to be honest. <laughs> I guess the, I guess the final big part of these chapters that we haven't talked about is Sam. Yeah, she's she's on her prove herself grind set. That that's exactly it. She wants to. She is doing the restoration. She wants to become a Valkyrie again. She wants to mm-hmm. prove that she's more. She's more than her uh, biology. We're we're saving the turns evil and joins Loki arc for another book, I think, or possibly just saving it for our hearts. Oh man, I I don't know. Maybe she's going to rejoin the Valkyries and then sabotage them from the inside, completely destroy the institution. <laughs> I guess that's what Ganella thinks she's gonna do. This is true. I guess we don't. She would want, only be proving Ganella right. I guess we don't want to just repeat the kinds of things that Ganella believes. <laughs> uh, she absolutely just like cooks TJ, right? Probably. Like, he, he fixed that bayonet and ran at her, and then he just got, like, slammed into a wall and died instantly. I don't know. She probably killed all of them, and they just, you know... She, they're probably all going to be on dishwasher duty for the rest of their, like, unlives, I assume. I think I think Mallory says that, like, they're, they're going to get laundry for the next decade for do, because they did this for Magnus. Or wait. Hmm. Do you think their Valkyries will get punished? Oh, that's very possible. Oh, that would suck. Hmm. Oh, this is interesting. Well, I guess X is in the clear on that one, actually. <laughs> yeah, he'll just have to, like... They just pick another Valkyrie at random and punish them. God, God. I, I, I'm I, trying to, like, what is the chore you make X do forever? And I think it's just, like, putting boxes on increasingly high shelves. <laughs> every just day. put the box on the highest shelf, but then it falls down. Yeah, and yeah. Just keep doing it. Anything else we want to talk about today? Uh, if I had a nickel for every time a ride and verse protagonist had to attend their own funeral, I would have two nickels. And it was good both times. It was. That's all I got. <laughs> Percy had a much warmer reception, much warmer exit than <laughs> Magnus did, I have to say. I mean, he had a very warm exit because he exploded in a volcano. Yeah, I guess Magnus fell into a Although freezing I guess, river. I, 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 that's not true. His internal organs were on fire at the time. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So, what's worse? Okay, do you think... Oh, I'm not sure, though, because I think if you fell into a freezing river, even if your internal organs are on fire, you're still... I guess he fell into ice, though, right? 
Like he cracked his yeah, head open on ice. So yeah, he hit the ice and he died instantly. Is so the thing. He, he probably was hot more than he was cold. Probably. Okay. Well, and also because he was throttling Sir. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, our intro and outro music is Super Mario Ocean by Space. Fuck me. Uh, no, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not so sad. <laughs> Slim pickings this week. We didn't. We only got one new character. Officer Gomez. <laughs> Officer Gomez is like the cop. You know how they always have a cop in like a like a like a like really shitty like CW show or something like that who's gay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Officer Gomez is the gay cop uh, who you know he's a real hard ass, but he ha- you know he loves his family at home, his husband and stuff. Um, We've literally not talked about Officer Gomez at all in this episode. He's just like a shitty cop who they they notice while they're walking to the funeral home. Yeah, he knows he knows uh, Hearth and Magnus by by face, and so he they they want to try to avoid him as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Another good inclusion, I think. Just like shitty cops. That, that is certainly something that homeless people have to deal with all the fucking time. I think my pick is Mimir. Uh, because he is referring to himself as uh, capo, meaning head, uh, and I think that means that whenever Odin is going to him for advice, he like will give a, a cheeky wink or I guess a cheeky blink and be like, "I'm off to get some head," if you know what I mean. You think Odin says that? I think so. I think he says that to Freya when he's on his way out the door. I was imagining a much more graphic description you were about to give of how he uses <laughs> how he uses the head. I'm glad you didn't. Go I mean, you. I, I don't I don't need to elaborate. No, you're right. The you're theater right. of the mind is all the, our listeners need. You're right. You're so right. <laughs> Unwise Girls is an 18 plus show. <laughs> they practice kissing. They do practice. Wait, no. Yeah, Odin practices kissing with Mimir. That's fun. <laughs> Why? What did you think they were gonna do, Jacqueline? No, I thought that I was. I thought you were talking about like um. Well, you know. Uh, tongue kissing <laughs> with his penis. <laughs> Our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean by Space Fun. You can find that at SC Remix. Uh, so thank you to them as always. Our cover art is by Vera and Elizabeth underscore Ian on Twitter. We are hosted by the Moonshot Podcast Network. You can find them at moonshotpods.com or goodfuckingpodcast.com. Uh, also, you can find us on Twitter and Tumblr and co-host, and I guess Blue Sky now at Unwise Girls. We have links to our episodes. We have updates when things come out. We have visual companions sometimes. We have a link to our Discord, which you should join because it's awesome in there. We have funny posts on occasion when Jane uh, gets the inspiration. We also when I remember when you remember. We also uh, like to uh, get support from you because it makes us so so happy and you can do that by leaving a five star rating interview on your podcast app of choice. You can uh, tell a friend about us. That one really we really love that one and it gives us so much energy mm. and also you can go to patreon.com slash unwisegirls where for a dollar a month you get the discord or love certified chaser. For thirty dollars a month, you get for three dollars a month, not thirty. Uh, you get the Discord role <laughs> of Mid Guardian and all of our bonus content. If you would like to sign up at thirty dollars a month, let us go. Let us know, and we'll make that happen for you. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, if you're at the three dollar tier, uh, that means uh, you get access to our bonus show. Where at the minute we're watching through Mobile Suit Gundam Iron Blooded Orphans. Uh, we're really enjoying that so far. Uh, it's. Uh, it's good. If you want to watch a show about weird crime bosses uh, to go along with the weird crime boss we just met in this book, that's the show for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and for $5 a month, you get the Discord or love Thor's Hammered, all of our bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of every episode. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank I Love Sammy's Great, Danny, Tana, Bree, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say... At the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye-bye. Bye. everybody it's me ken i use she and him pronouns 
Uh, and I'm here to talk about clowns. The anime slash manga, Kengen Ashra. I am ready to talk about some animorphs. Roma, have you ever heard of the art movement of Dadaism? Interest in a musician group called Exociety? It's Yu-Gi-Oh. The brain worm that I would like to deliver you to you today is um, Gundam and or Gumpla. I became aware of a series of novels that people told me about called Disc World. Hey, Lewis, what are we talking about? Aragon. Aragon. Welcome to the Hyperfixation, where we invite our friends onto our show to tell us about what they're excited about so we can acquire an approximate knowledge of many things. New episodes out every Wednesday morning and up to five days early for patrons. Normalize info dumping and learn something new with us today thanks to the Moonshot Network.